want to start this episode off by saying that nobody in this room that I know of is sponsored and or paid by major movie making corporations. Not yet. Not yet. Not a sponsor. Yeah. You could be. Uh, <laughs> maybe not right now. Maybe but after like, post strikes, yeah. you could be a sponsor. Uh, but neither Paramount, Disney, yeah. uh, Warner Brothers. Yeah, I was sponsored by Warner Brothers for a while there. Were you? Um, no, but like I wish I was. In oh, a dream once. Yeah. Uh, so, though there are strikes going on around the country, uh, though I, I would, I think I can speak for Jay when I say we kind of stand in solidarity with. True. The actors and writers right. out there who should be paid for their brilliance and they should be paid for their create creativity and their right. hard work and, uh, you know, all those things. But um, until that happens, we're not going to get a whole lot of movies uh, <laughs> and entertainment. Yeah. Uh, at least not any good ones uh, for a little bit. Doesn't seem like it. Doesn't seem like it. Blue Beetle, which actually I dig the trailers on and yeah. looks very you know, could be very creative. Um, yeah. Tracking to only open to like somewhere between 10 and $17 million. Yeah, 10 and 20, somewhere in between there, which is <sighs> ridiculous. Which is nuts. I mean, what, granted, 10 and $20 million, like on face value, you're like, wow, that sounds that really great. Changes my life. Until uh, you think about like how much the well, it costs to make in production. And well, then, when you think about it, it probably cost them $5 million just to at do least, trailers yeah. and... And, you know, I don't know. Just a commercial has that movie cost right. <laughs> a few million dollars. So I, I, that's, is it just, so, and kind of freestyling here a little bit, but do you think it's the Warner Brothers, like, emblem has got everybody funky? Or do you think it's movies in general on top of the strike and... I don't know. I know. I know that a lot of fans, and we've talked about this, are tired of being kind of force fed right. some things that we don't we don't care about. Right. Uh, you know, especially Star Wars and, and Harry Potter fans, and I mean, they, DC fans especially. Right. You, you get close, but then you just force feed us stuff that nobody asked for. Right. So I wonder if that is part of it, or is it just a perfect storm of all those things? You think? I, I definitely lean into that perfect storm idea because. I mean, if you think about it, like The Flash came out, decent movie, did yeah. not do well in the box office at all. Did right. worse than Black Adam in the first two weeks, which mm. is ridiculous. I mean, knowing especially how much I hate Black Adam, that's, <laughs> and I had to throw it in there. Um, but I was a, I, I really enjoyed that movie. I mean, and granted, I'm biased. I like the character. Um, but I thought, like, overall, people who had watched the movie had, like, decent things to say about it. Yeah, and yeah it, for the most part. it didn't perform well. So I think that's indicative of, uh, like, the Warner Brothers kind of yeah. going into it, expecting something or not, or just having an expectation without actually knowing about the movie. Yeah. Um, so I, I couldn't see Blue Beetle performing great just in general because of that, because people are expecting, oh, it's a DC movie yeah. in the new DC age, and DC movies are not fun. We don't want to go see them. Yeah. Um, but then I also think that overall, like industry in general is getting hit really hard in the film industry. Right. And so I think that that obviously doesn't help. Like that's not, that's not boosting ratings for things that are coming out. That's not boosting production. I don't know. I, I just, I know that something, I mean, I hope that, 
Hollywood or who, whatever. I don't. I'm sure there is a some kind of acronym to describe who the powers that be are. But yeah, uh, I mean, you've got head head people in these companies making hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, right. and you've got. I, I, Mark Bernard in, in podcast I listened to today was talking about how you're talking about corporations that are making billions of dollars right throughout you know year in and year out, and a group of people who are asking for hundreds of millions of dollars over three years <laughs> right right so hundreds of billions of dollars a billion is thousand millions thousands of millions there's a bug in here yeah um. But, Billions of dollars versus hundreds of millions of dollars right. over three to five years or whatever exactly. the request is. Like, let's get this fixed. You know, let's get to the table, swallow your pride. Let's get this fixed because, I mean, I'm selfish and I want some good superhero movies. Yeah. And I want some good <laughs> Star Wars movies. Yeah. Which, and, and, and I don't think I, that want, the, I want the creative people paid well. Like, right. I, I want the best creative people sitting at those desks. Right. You know? It's like the teachers, people complain, man, all teachers ain't what they used to be when I was a kid. Well, yeah, they're right. paid crap now. Like eventually they're like, you know what? I'm going to go work at Chick-fil-A. Right. <laughs> I can make the same at Chick-fil-A. Don't tip me now. You know what I mean? So like pay, you, you want you want the quality, pay the quality to, to keep them there. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I don't know how we went down that rabbit trail. Uh, but that's what I had to think about right. on my drive to Virginia uh, this weekend, this past mm-hmm. weekend. We tell, had tell us a little bit about that trip. <laughs> well, we had a family member uh, on my my wife's grandfather passed away. Mm. Uh, great man, uh, Jim Adair, Papa Jimmy, just great dude. Uh, just big heart, sweet sweet human being. Uh, and you know, as far as like me coming into the family when I was dating Katie, like he gave me he didn't give me crap. Like you know, yeah. every time I saw him eye contact, shook my hand, asked me questions, listened, listened mm. to what I had to say, which yeah. is such a great, great quality that we don't get a lot of hum- humanity today. Yeah. Uh, but just a really awesome dude. And so we went, we drove up to Virginia to celebrate his life with a bunch of the family there. My kids who have experienced death right. and other family members at a, at a very young age, have they fun- experienced a, like a funeral before? So, yes, yes. No, actually, you know what? They didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. When her other grandfather passed away a couple years ago, they were very young. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they actually went to the service. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure I sat I mean, by myself at the service. Hadley so. would have been an infant at the time. She was really, yeah, she was really little. Uh, when my both of my grandparents passed away, like... I think the year, either the year we adopted the kids or just the year before that. So they, mm. we were fostering them. They they knew them. They knew Nana and Papa. But uh, when they passed, they were all three just so young. They didn't really yeah. understand what was going on. However, Papa Jimmy, they they're mm-hmm. all they're all over five now, and so it was really cool to watch them process <laughs> yeah. through not just the when Katie told them the news. Um, there was there was confusion. There was questions. Right. There was tears, and then they immediately snapped back to questions, and then it was like, "Hey, I'm, can we go to McDonald's?" You know, it was just you know, it, it was they were firing <laughs> at at different levels. However, the drive up to Virginia and the time like, in the Virginia, like the kids' like thought process could be boiled down to it's questions, one of, listen, tears, more questions. Can we go to McDonald's? As, yeah, as as a father, it's one of like their brains is, is one of the most fun things about my life. 
experiencing watching them process things like this mm-hmm. uh, multiple times over the weekend I had to catch myself from just busting a gut laughing and some you know situations where you really weren't supposed to be laughing yeah and so just to give you a couple small little little bites little nuggets uh shout out to mcdonald's not a sponsor she could be could be that's a sponsor we could get There's yeah we could no hey, strikes no on strike McDonald's at mcdonald's right maybe maybe on the health score but it uh, should be but like yeah yeah at least right now nobody out there striking against mickey d's um them nuggets still be nuggeting you know what i mean yeah. uh but yeah the kiddos uh had a lot of questions to drive up um you know and it's just little things like you know papaw's Papa's, Papa's, Papa's gonna be there. No, well, his body's there. Mm. His, his spirits with Jesus. Yes, his spirits in heaven. Okay, no. and he and he lives in my heart too. I was like, yeah, everybody you love lives right there in your heart. You know, they're, they're there to comfort you. You know, and okay, so really good stuff. You yeah. know, and then they process, but then they would ask the same question over again. Like, are you are you sure? Like, <laughs> so why are we going up there? Like, I'm like well, we're <laughs> we're going up there to celebrate life for those family and and you know uh, be with. With Mamma, who, yeah. who's still there, and obviously very sad, so we're there to comfort her and to love on her, and and they're like, oh, okay, okay, you know. So, but he's in our heart, like, yeah, he's, he's in our heart, he's in our heart, and it was just this kind of went on and on and yeah. on for for quite a while. Then we get to the receiving of friends. We're in the building. Yeah, there's family everywhere. There's there's people everywhere, and these the kids. I mean, in the casket and every everything. Yeah. And, um, the questions that they were dropping were awesome and you know just beautiful child innocent childlike questions but the problem is is because they're children they ask yeah. them to the top of their lungs <laughs> and they don't you know they don't check their surrounding to see who's there they just ask it mom Mm-mm. why is and and then just <laughs> why is he just laying over and, there and yeah you get that uh, but i think probably my one of my favorite moments was during the actual funeral um uh the pastor was talking and was using scripture uh, about what, well, like you know, when we Christ returns, the dead in Christ yeah, will yeah. rise. You know, and so he was just pointing. You know, folks. You know, when that when that time comes, you know, the dead in Christ rise. You know, he's going to come back, and we're going to meet him mm-hmm. in heaven, and so on and so forth. And so he says that says that about two or three times, and he revisits that statement. Three, three times, and I'm thinking to myself, hmm. And about the fourth time he said it, my kids at this point are sitting with some family across the aisle, and I just, I just look over at him, and Jay's staring right at me, just like, uh. <laughs> and I, and I immediately chuckled. I'm like, that's gonna, that's gonna be a question here in a little bit. <laughs> and uh, we start the procession. He had, the, he was a part of a, uh, a couple motorcycle clubs up there. He was mm. an honorary member of one, and then he was the chaplain of the other. Gotcha. So we had this really cool moment where, uh, for the procession to the to the cemetery, you know, the motorcycles are there, the Harleys are fired up, mm-hmm. uh, the patches, the vest, the whole, you know, shindig. And it was awesome. Yeah. They got some really cool video of it. And we were in a couple cars behind. Uh, Katie rode with her mom and grandmother. And then we were behind them, and it was just me and the kids in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Me and I knew what was coming. Like I knew yeah. it was going to be many, many questions. And it's quiet for a few minutes, and all of a sudden Jay's like, "So, Dad, uh, so Papa's going to be like a zombie or something?" <laughs> and I, just, <laughs> I was like, uh, "No, uh, uh, that's a hard concept. Yeah, it you is know, a hard concept." Like, I'm like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, you know what, buddy? Uh, let's let's call Pastor Colt. Yeah. <laughs> let's see what. That's not my job. Let's see what he's got to say about that. 
Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's a good try. Did you like it? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of One Nine Hundred Nerdy Talk. We've got all your dirtiest, nerdiest needs, as long as there's not a strike going yeah. on. Tonight, we're going to talk about the upcoming finale of Secret Invasion. This music's really loud. Yeah. But we're also going to talk about some non-comic book related nerdiness. So yeah. sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Speaking of zombies, uh, there was a time about a year and a half, or, or, yeah, about a year and a half ago, where it looked like our friends at Crypto Comics might be not so much alive anymore. Yeah, and then it was a terrifying time, just like The Walking Dead, they rose, they rose like from a the ashes, Phoenix, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the Phoenix in that one Harry Potter movie that I hate. Um, gosh, you're so that I gotta touch all the bases. Um, yeah, that mm. stupid phoenix that's just ex machina. You are, so you got essence. you got your phoenix. Yeah, out of the, out, check that one off. You got black, black Adam. Adam. Check that one off. Uh, we'll work a Star Wars one in here in a little bit at some yeah. point. But uh, so yeah, they did not die. In fact, they are quite alive. They're thriving. They are thriving, and they are selling. All the comic books, all the Funko Pops, all the statues. You can kind of see. Let me take this camera right here. Hold on a second. If you're watching at home, if you're not, this is going to mean nothing to you. But if you look right down there, you see that little Obi-Wan Kenobi. The wow. man. Technology. The it's crazy. The legend. Uh, yeah. Just got that one this past week. Wife still doesn't know about it. <laughs> still alive. Still alive. She yeah. does not listen to the show. Continues to not listen. If this is the episode you decided to listen to, babe, I love you very much. So our buddies over at Crypto Comics, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to see how well they're thriving, uh, maybe go check them out over in Powell, Tennessee. Can't remember their address because <laughs> we don't have the card. Um, but their phone number is 865-938-9528. Uh, give them a call, ask them for their address, or just look them up online. It's Crypto Comics, Crypto with a K, or there's not really any other way yeah. you'd spell crypto. With a K. Um, but if you're spelling crypto without a K, we have nothing to talk about. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't think. Unless you're a sponsor. Yeah, unless you're <laughs> McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still open. Um, but yeah, best comic book in the universe. Comic book in, store, yeah. In the multiverse. And... What did the the noodle verse in <laughs> the noodle verse DC? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I know we're going to talk some secret invasion here in a little bit and give our uh, you know our thoughts on what we think the finale is going to be. Yeah. But in the spirit of all the striking and and not so many things out there to talk about, um, I figured like I, a little bit more often, and we haven't done this near enough on this show. The word nerd is thrown around there, and then automatically you hear nerd and you think Star Wars. Right. You think Superman. You think. You, yeah, it's Harry typically Potter. related to something in in pop culture. Yeah. Uh, most often something like a comic book, something. Sure. Something that's got a niche following mm-hmm. that is uh, generally popular. But I, I think a lot of people also use the word nerd to describe anybody that's just passionate about. Right. 
certain things that, you know, you can be nerdy. We, me and Brandon have talked about it. You can be nerdy about baseball. Yeah. I mean, you can be, my father-in-law is a nerd when it comes to uh, <laughs> spray foam, number one, <laughs> and then hunting yeah. at number two. Uh, so you can be, my wife is nerdy about the office. She like is. it's quite, we, and we will be having that show very, very soon with her and yeah. hopefully Blake and Jake, the, the, t- the hot take Tipton. Can, yeah. Uh, in here and duke it out on who's got the most knowledge there. But uh, tonight I want us to talk because you and I share a common nerdy we do. love. And that is we are both musicians. Mm-hmm. I've been musicians pretty much, I know, all my life. Uh, for the most part, um, as far like I grew up with music, with singing being a, a big thing, and then started like actually diving into instruments and I remember I was 11, 12, 13 in that range. Yeah. And that's kind of when that kicked off for me. I, I started very young. Like my, my mom was a worship pastor at our church in Louisiana. And, uh, I, I just was obsessed with all things, drums and percussion. I just, mm-hmm. I just loved it. They made a lot of noise and I was your first one. Yeah. And so at a very, when I mean very, very young age, mm-hmm. uh, three, four, five years old, you know, every band practice, I was there. Uh, every service, I was there. Yeah. And the church we were going to at the time, I mean, they had a TV ministry. They had, you know, all kind of stuff going on. So I was sitting on a stage or near a stage at least three services a week. Right. And then revival week. Same. And, you know, it, it went on and on. So conferences, it, it was... I was surrounded by music my entire life. And then I just, I can't really pinpoint, never took a lesson. I can't really pinpoint. I just know around the age of somewhere between five and seven, uh, I just started picking up and playing. I just started playing. I I knew what to hit. I knew Mm. what to do with my feet just from constantly watching it. And by like eight or nine, I was playing in church. (laughs) And then was pretty much the full-time drummer between 10, 11, and 12 uh, of, like, the big adult service. Yeah. And so uh, I did that. I took some piano lessons when I was, like, six or seven, mm-hmm. and they thought I was doing good. I wasn't doing good. I was just playing by ear, and yeah. which was cool. And later I figured that out as I got older. I was like, ah, I can do something with that. Right. Um, but completely no concept, no un- understanding of theory, just – they would speak it and I'd go, uh-huh, and then just play what she played. Right. <laughs> so I did that for a long time. Uh, but at a very young age, uh, I was playing for church. And then in my teens, my buddy uh, Vinny Gibson up here, worship leader extraordinaire, he and I started traveling. And that mm. is probably some of the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. Because at that point, I was playing bass and drums and I could play some keys, play guitar, different things. So I was able to, I was a utility guy. I could play, they just stick me where they needed me. Yeah. And which meant I get to play all the time. Right. And uh, it's, when you're a teenager, that's awesome. Yeah. You don't care that it's for free. Like, it's awesome. You right. just, you get to go at it. Uh, so traveling was just absolutely insane. Uh, what kind of music do you grow up listening to? Um, so growing up, our family on, like, like if we had radio playing or anything like that, it was all like black gospel music. Yeah. Always. It was like Kirk Franklin. Mm-hmm. It was eventually Eddie James. 
Um, we we crew it up with um, shout out to Eddie. Yeah, with Fred Heyman was a big one that popped Uncle up all Fred. the time. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I was just the other day like cause you you'll be driving down the road and just a random song will pop yeah. up in your head, and um, it was Run to the Name. And but and I was like, oh, this is probably like a popular song. It's probably like some, a, a college like that we got the CD of, and like that was our church choir. Like we were doing that song, so I was like, ah, you know, honestly, I don't think as many people know that song as <laughs> as I thought did. Um, but yeah, my both of my parents were huge like gospel, the Pentecostal yeah, thing. Yeah. That was their their niche, and that was. Do you have a, my roots. Do you have a heavy dose of hill songs and stuff back in the day as well? Not back in the day, actually. Really? It, it, yeah. Um, when by the time that I was like that, we had gone. I was a little bit older, probably closer to whenever I started learning to like play keys and stuff. Um, that's whenever more like the CCM started yeah. like showing up. But for the most part, growing up, it was if not all like all all gospel. Have you Pretty watched much. that documentary yet, by the way? Uh, the Hillsong documentary? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Mm. yeah. Even if that's partially true. It's crazy, dude. It's, it's absolutely insane. That's tough. And there's so many people attached to it. Like, there's so many talented musicians and singers attached to it. Yeah. Who were not in the, you know, <laughs> the holies of holies with all the, right. the, the, the bad stuff that they've been accused of. They, they were just... Yeah. They just showed up, did what they're supposed to do, and played. And dude, it, that's the crazy part about all of it. It's like even and maybe I don't even know if we bleep these names out or if we actually care enough to. But um, <laughs> like Debolt drumming, do uh, you know who that is on yeah. YouTube? Yeah, he just released a video. He was a drummer for Jeremy Riddle. Yeah. Just released a video about how like abusive that culture was and like how terrible that. Did you watch the whole thing? Thing the of the. The drummer thing, yeah. Okay, I so we started. Have you seen all of it? We started watching the it. Two parts. So no, he just released the second part a couple days ago. Okay, we started watching it, and and this may sound terrible, and I'm sorry if this comes across as terrible, I, but we made it about ten minutes in to the first video, mm-hmm. and I and the whole time I was thinking, I mean, none of that's absolutely that bad. Like I, I, I remember thinking, like, <laughs> yeah, I, like, like at least the first part of it, I was thinking, this it seems like you're reaching a little bit with some of this. But in in his defense, I yeah. we, we were we had the kids in the car, and they started waking up from napping, so we we yeah. stopped. We have not listened to the rest of it yet. Just the first little bit, I was kind of going. To be fair, yeah, I think both of us, like we both grew up in an abusive one hundred percent culture, one hundred percent. And so we see that as normal. Whenever yeah. it's like it's not normal to be in a, a band where someone's like you make a mistake and they like embarrass no, 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 no. you in front of a group of people. So yeah, like, like that stuff is absolutely right. Yeah, it, that stuff I was like, like, no. But like I had the same reaction watching. It, I was like, oh, that's yeah. Everyday was like, and I was like, it was more or less the cult. Some of the culture man. stuff they were saying, like you know, yeah, you don't. You don't really, you know, right. you've been here for a year and you're not really picking up on our culture. And he was just flabbergasted by that. And I was going, well, if you've been there for a year and you're in this, you're, you're not. The, the part two goes into a little bit. Yeah. I mean, depth you, with that. You, you don't line up with, with what they, they're wanting Where they get. from musicians. I mean, you've been there for a year, you know, yeah. but yeah, the, the whole embarrassing thing, like calling people out in front of a meeting, I'm like, listen, yeah. let's go. It's, you, it's crazy, dude. You want to rock that boat, baby? We can yeah. rock it. You know, <laughs> we can go, but. That you know, that's that's a for another podcast. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I, very similar upbringings. Music, one nine hundred churchy lives. talk. <laughs> one nine. Oh, don't don't tempt me. Yeah, we green can, room talk. That's what I really. <laughs> before we did this podcast, I really wanted to do a a green room podcast, yeah. and because we have obviously between church, we have a lot of musicians who have played all over the world. Yeah, with. Many, many different artists, some names, some we wouldn't name. Mm -hmm. And so we've all got, I've got some, I've got some conference stories that, I mean, keep you laughing for for days and crying at the same time (laughs) for days. Uh, But, you know, I grew up a very similar, uh, my dad owned a Christian books and gift store. Mm. And so it, Louisiana is very similar to the Bible Belt, where there's just a ton of yeah. churches. The difference is there's a ton of, um, yeah, a lot more Catholic churches down there. Mm. And then, uh, like the, you got a heavy, heavy dose of Baptists. Yeah. But then the Pentecostals down there are like extra Pentecostal. Like it's Pentecostals on steroids. Gotta be in the bayou. Gotta be, man. And then, which is, that was us. We were the heavy, the yeah. crazy Pentecostals down there. And then lots of Church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, like, Pretty much every church in the area I grew up in had a banging band. Like yeah. it was just everybody was a musician and everybody right. was a really good musician. So I grew up kind of in that culture and bass, man, my love of bass came from that. Like right. I love playing bass because it was just, bass wasn't just a filler instrument down there. Bass was the heartbeat. Right. I mean, even in some cases more than the drummer. Right. And it was just, I, I became hooked to that that style of music, black gospel. I mean, just Fred Hammond, Kirk. Um, you know, as got older, has Kyle Walker. Yeah. You know, some of those guys. Uh, uh, Donnie McClurkin. Yeah, and then um, my cousin's gonna lose. That was his our walk-in music for a long time. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, uh, my cousin's gonna lose his mind if I don't. Uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson, the Asu- yeah. the Asusa Street uh, albums. Dude, I still listen to those things. <laughs> those albums are. Uh, Dorinda Clark on there, just wearing it out. Let's mm-hmm. go. Um, but my dad, Donnie McClurk, like will come up very often on my playlist. I love Donnie. For, uh, I call you faithful. Yeah, and um, he has a version that he does of um, Lord, I will lift my eyes to the a total praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that pops up on my. There was there's a random YouTube video you can go find of, of Donnie and. I forget what the song is he's singing, but he sings it in like 12 different languages. Oh, I know it's, what you're talking about, but I don't remember what the video freaky, is. It's freaky, man. Like, it is absolutely insane. He's just, he's he's a freak of nature, yeah. man. He's, he's so good. Um, But then, so like, my obviously, I had easy access to that music, though, because of my dad's business. Right. He sold a lot of music, a lot of Southern gospel, too. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we as, as much as we were listening to Fred Hammond and, and Kirk, we were listening to the Gaithers as well. Yeah. I mean, so like it was because it was all there, and that was what my grandparents listened to. So, right. um, you know, my introduction to Karen Wheaton was actually not the ramp. I saw her perform with the Gaithers live yeah. as a kid. So uh, that was, that's a little nugget that Pastor Casey probably don't know about. Uh, <laughs> so My introduction uh, to Karen Wheaton was also not the ramp. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was like just her as a musician was. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. I mean, she was, I knew her as a musician before, way right. before the ramp. Um, but I mean, we could, never mind. We probably don't need to go down the ramp uh, <laughs> rabbit trail. Um, anyway, so as much as we were listening to uh, the black gospel, we listened to a lot of southern gospel as well. But my dad uh, really was so my dad on my on his side of the family was kind of a 
in some cases, kind of a, a black sheep growing up. Mm. And he kind of stuck out, you know, a little bit on that side of the family. And my man grew up listening, I mean, Commodores, mm. uh, Marvin Gaye, Otis Redding, Aretha, yeah. Tina Turner. Like, he was... In, a, in an area of where he grew up that was heavy influenced by country music and, yeah. and, and definitely like Southern rock. My dad's out here listening to bass lines and you know, like really smooth hooks. Right. And that was what, like, I remember being at a young age and just having Otis Redding playing constantly right. at, at the house. Just, he had, he had one of those, remember old school, most of you who don't know, like before you could just turn, hit an app and listen to music, we used to have these things called CDs. I actually used to have the, I remember cassette tapes. We had cassette tapes as well. My dad had one of those. Like, I also remember cassette tapes. Yeah. <laughs> my, my dad. <laughs> hasn't been that long ago. It, you say that. You say, you say that. I mentioned a cassette tape. Oh, man. So my, my, my debit card is a cassette tape. The front yeah. of it. And, I, I paid for some Dunkin' Donuts the other day, and this guy, he, he's every bit of 22, 23 years old. He's like, what is that? And I'm like, no way, I'm really? like, my man, come on, dude. Ain't been that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only 33, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, my dad had one of those, it was like a, he was like a 50-disc changer, mm-hmm. yeah. and you had all your discs, and it would just, you, yeah, it, it just was like shuffle before, right. yeah, yeah, it was shuffle before shuffle, you know, was the thing. And uh, so it would just be blaring through the house, yeah. and that was... I grew up listening to that and immediately caught myself if I was playing bass, if I was playing drums, was working some of those offbeat stuff mm-hmm. in. And, yeah, you know, if we were just transitioning between this chord to that chord to that chord, I found myself walking up to those chords, right, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, hitting those fillers in between. And then as I got into my teens, our buddy Rocky, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I played with him. He was he's actually he's also a musician and yeah. a bass player. And uh, he, when I was playing with him and Vinny back in the day, <laughs> he used to say, hey, man, just keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. Because <laughs> he knew if I got a chance to play bass, mm-hmm. I was going to touch every inch of that neck yeah. <laughs> on the bass. And uh, and I still do <laughs> a little bit. You, you guys also have to sometimes in the, hey, Joe, back it down, back it down, ease up. Uh, but just grew up loving that style, loving right. that music. And uh, and my favorite part about music is how it, how it intertwines together right how you can take genres and just push mm-hmm. them together and and sometimes it sounds like crap yeah but every once in a while those veins line up and it's like god that is that is good like it's like right. chris stapleton chris stapleton is a perfect example of like the music gods just taking r&b taking country taking rock cramming it into a big pot and then right. pooping that out and that was chris stapleton right and he's a freak of nature, and he like he makes my brain hurt. Uh, just how much power yeah. comes out of his lungs with little to no effort. And John Mayer—that's another. Right. One. I love John Mayer, and to see what he does on a guitar neck, right. you shouldn't be able to physically do that. Right, uh, John Mayer, like the way he solos—it reminds me a lot of. Granted, different genre. Reminds me a lot of the way that Miles Davis solos. Yeah, it's like it's it's not trying to be uh, something that's crazy, but it's really using yeah. the instrument as a means of lyrical, um, like telling a lyrical story through the works of an instrument. That I think is it, it's uh, super you, duper cool. You feel everything he does, right? And Miles the same way. Like you, if you watch their body language and you watch 
sometimes you'll they'll it's like you said they're telling a story and right. as they work through that solo you'll see their face and, the, and they'll hit a note and it's like no that's not it and they'll work their way back down to the other end and oh yeah there it is right there. and right. you can literally see themselves approve and disapprove yeah. of what they're doing as they play and you know that's just I love that side of music so much that I think is uh, today and I I am an old fart when it comes to today's music. Mm. Um, even though I, I am not, I will listen to anything. You, you give me a chance, I will listen to it at least once. Yeah. Um, I might never listen to it again. I might never I'll listen to it again. And it may completely, you know, it might completely ruin me for that artist, which I'm sure they don't care about. But <laughs> but I, I will I will give anything a shot. Yeah. But so much, I think, of that is missed in today's music where... I feel that. I don't believe, number one, I don't believe what you're singing. Yeah. And then I don't believe what you're playing because mm-hmm. you're not playing it like you were going through it. Right. And that'll preach. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, when John Mayer plays Gravity, yeah, I believe he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders while right. he's playing that. He plays it like he's got the weight of the, of the world on his shoulders. And that's like when music is at its best and at its purest form, I think it's, number one, you the 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 artist is believing what they're doing, right. whether it's vocally or musically. And then the next step is when you, when you can make it the audience right. or the listener feel what you're feeling. And I think that's done through the, even the musicians on that are accompanying the artist. If yeah. the musicians are feeling what they're playing 100%. and they're not just uh, playing it, but they like, there's a, uh, there's a difference whenever you're mimicking something or you're like, I guess the it's like you get times where musicians will like mimic something. Like if you tell me to say the ABCs, like I'll, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. But that's different than me having my own like uh, like my own thing that I'm saying through this song or yeah. my own thing that I'm bringing forth to the table. And I think that's a big thing that because the music genre, to, and granted, like sounds like a boomer thing to be like, oh, the music genre, but the thing that I find that is a big deterrent for me on whether I enjoy a song or whether I don't enjoy a song is whether or not the musicians that are playing on there or the singer for that matter, whether they're telling a story or whether they're reciting a story. And that's the, it's different. uh, You can feel the difference. Absolutely. You can feel the difference between in an album. Yeah. Whether or not you can believe it. Uh, one of, so one of my favorite bands is Need to Breathe. Yeah. And I've seen them in concert probably God, eight or nine times. And I've been a fan of theirs way, like way back, mm-hmm. way back. And um, even before they took, I saw them at the Square Room yeah. years ago. And standing room only. And they absolutely just blew my face mm-hmm. across the room. I was just amazed uh, at how big, like they... They didn't realize they were playing in a room of, of about whatever it was, right? Five, five, six, seven hundred people. As far as they were concerned, they were playing in an arena, right? And they made us feel like we were in an arena. And I just something about that just just hooked me. Um, but they went through some different trials through a couple uh, a couple different albums, in which you know these two brothers were kind of the front guys of this band. One was a singer, the other was a lead guitar player, but they were the main writers yeah. of all their music. And something felt different. And it was still very good because they're very talented musicians and they're very right. talented writers. But something felt weird there for about an album or two. Mm-hmm. And then they released this documentary and 
you find out that there was a lot going on and right. backstage and, and you could feel that in their music, but then you can also feel the reconciliation when they dropped that new album with the documentary. Right. And you were like, Oh, it's yeah. a, and it's a weird feeling to be like, and a weird thing to say like, Oh, it's a feeling that you can have, but that's the one thing like you talked about one of the reasons why you love music in general earlier. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I love music like as a, the reason that I'm passionate for it, the reason my career that I'm spending money at, <laughs> at like I'm going into the reason debt why you're going to be called Dr. J for real. <laughs> right. It's like there that is because of how much music is a language and it's yeah. a language that doesn't behave like any other language. No. It's a language that communicates across different, uh, like the, it, it doesn't have borders to that language. So you can right. play something and have two people from completely different backgrounds in there and it absolutely like speaks something to them. Yeah. And that's something yeah. that's that's such a unique thing that I don't know if I've seen and which I know that art is is that way for people. I know that like film is that way for people. That's something that I haven't seen I haven't experienced in any other way other than in music. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I was in New York um singing for Carnegie Hall doing oh, yeah, that yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that we did is we went to a couple of the jazz clubs and we went to like Dizzy Gillespie's like club up, which was like cool. It was really That's high so end awesome. stuff. Yeah. I mean like people were in there, they're in full piece like suits and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like it was a bougie event. So we were in there and we were watching and I was like, Oh yeah, that's really sick. Yeah. We went to another jazz club, um, Birdland. If you're in the New York area, go to it. Um, shout out to New York. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to New York. Not a sponsor. Yeah. Can you be? The city of New York can sponsor our podcast. Maybe. Uh, New York Parks and Rec. Uh, hit us up. Yeah. So uh, we were in there and it was with, so the artist that played bass that night at, at the Dizzy's Club was then playing bass with his trio at yeah. Birdland. And so we're sitting there, we're sitting at the table, just letting their guys do their thing. And there was one point where we're like, uh, we're sitting there and part of their session, they do the typical, like first one you open up is like this like fast, like hard jazz type style where it's like yeah. just crazy everywhere. Like it's kind of demonstrating like, oh, these people are good stuff. The second one, like a lot of times jazz, like if you're putting a set together, you'll follow it with like a slow or like kind of medium, like ballad type thing. Um, and then the third one, the third song that they did was, it was a song that the piano player had written and it's just him playing, uh, like he, he starts the song off and the voicing. So I was sitting there, I'm not paying attention to anybody in the room, just like listening to this guy play on the keys. The bass eventually joins in and it's just the keys and, um, mm. a standup bass that are going back and forth in this song. And the voicings that he's using were like it unlocked memories for me that I didn't even know I like had was even like thinking about where it was like reminding me of being like playing on like on a cheap $65 keyboard that I got for Christmas one time. Um, I mean, it was probably, yeah. I mean like now it's, you can get it for free at a like Karn. Yeah. Um, Karm. I get that. Um, Karm. Yeah. So we were, we're sitting there and he's playing these, these like, and the chord shapes that he's using, the melodies that he's coming up with, like reminded me of, the type of things that I would dive into whenever I was first learning piano and I was first listening to it. And I was like, this is the coolest thing. It was like where I fell in love with the instrument. And there's a gnat in here that's going all over. At some point I'm going to shoot bullet holes all (laughs) through this wall trying to kill this fly or whatever it is. Uh, So I'm sitting there and like, I feel, it feels like an elephant just sat on my chest. Like, (laughs) which, and I'm not a person that 
like gets uh, like cries as like an emotional yeah. response. It's like I'll feel emotional, but I, that crying's not typically a response that I would do. But I felt like my eyes like starting to burn and getting like heavy and dark. There's that nut. Um, <laughs> you had the frog in your throat. It, yeah, it was about the middle of the song, and I was like feeling myself was like, okay, I'm with a group of friends. Like I don't want to sit here and like ball my eyes out for like something right. like like this. I look around the room, and it is it, like. To say that 60% of the room was, like, ugly crying is an understatement. Oh, I love that, Because, man. like, you that. literally just see people who were just pouring tears, weeping, and it wasn't a, like, it wasn't something religious. No one was speaking. There wasn't any right. words to the song or anything. It was just everybody in that room was experiencing at least something similar to what I was experiencing it, yeah. to, to evoke that emotional response. But it was we all have different backgrounds. I mean, there's people, I'm not from New York. That was the first time I've ever been to New York. Half yeah. the people in that room might've been from New York. They might've been travelers. Real, different. I was going to say realistically, they realist, probably weren't. <laughs> yeah, I mean like the people in there that grew up in the same area with me, with the like group of friends that I was there with, every single person in that group of friends were bawling their eyes out. So like, sure, like maybe they come up with a different background, but the fact that almost the entire room was just sitting there like weeping as this guy was playing yeah, and his bass yeah. player was playing, like they were talking back and forth of this song was, it was one of the most out of body experiences that I've ever experienced <laughs> or will ever experience. I have a recording of it on my phone and I will listen really? to that sometime like driving home. Just like, like it, play, and it, man. It, it puts me back in that same spot. Like it's in, in super duper crazy. I was, uh, um, you can only do it with music, though. Yeah, I, I mean, along those same lines as far as making you feel something. I was in, well, I was in Finland with Vince, and um, this has been, I mean, I was probably 20, 21, somewhere mm -hmm. in there, still very young. And we were there for a couple of weeks, and we were playing, we did a couple of different things while we were there. We played at a couple of different places, and uh, there was a TV uh, station that we played on, yeah. But this one church that was actually hosting us, we were actually sleeping there. It took us about, about eight days to get the jet lag out of. Yeah, uh, that was crazy. Um, they were hosting a youth conference there, and so all the youth would sleep downstairs on the floor. Mm -hmm. And there was I don't know, it was probably two hundred, two hundred fifty, something like that. And it was crammed into this into this building, and um, like the main leaders, worship leaders for that part were uh it was a husband and wife mm. and the husband was brazilian right i believe yeah i'm pretty sure he was brazilian she was from there she was from, she was uh, from finland um but the youth groups there was like four or five different countries that were represented right because of where finland's at yeah they're all like they're all just really close and so you had I mean, at one point when Vince was speaking, he had like two different people interpreting it at times. Right. And then surprisingly, anybody pretty much under the age of 25 there also spoke English. So like it, that was that was nice. It was very convenient because yeah. we... America, can we catch on? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was, it was I a, had to take two semesters of Spanish and I, that didn't do anything. Like, can we actually start teaching languages? Try, try harder. Yeah. Um, but so that part was cool. But this one particular night I sat in and drummed with them. Um, and, uh, like, again, you've got, even the musicians on stage are from different countries, different right. different language barrier. And this one girl was leading, and I believe she was, I believe she was singing in, in Finnish, Finnish, I guess that's the, the name of the language. Uh, and the whole place is just an absolute cry fest. Right. Uh, and, and again, this is a church environment, so people are there to worship, and, and, and that, that has its own 
feelings that, right. that, that, that go with it. But as a musician who did not speak the language of the right. other musicians that were on stage, I still felt everything they were feeling right. and played off of those feelings. Right. And then before the service is over with, I'm literally just bawling my eyes out and I couldn't tell you anything they said or sang right. in that service. Right. But I knew what they were singing about just based off of what they were playing for. Right. Just based off of the energy that, that you were getting, the notes, that vein that we lined up in. And that's why, like, that's just another area where music is so uh, amazing. Um, time flies when you're talking about nerdy things. Uh, so How far are we? Just curious. We're... we're, we're Right now at our 45-minute mark. Okay. So <laughs> why don't we do this? Because oh, I want to do this more often. Yeah. I want to I want to talk some more stuff like this more often. So we will do more episodes like this. Uh, but instead of going into a big deep dive into what we think is going to happen with Secret Invasion, let's yeah. just answer one question. And this is a spoiler alert if you have not seen Secret Invasion up to this point, if you're not caught up. Uh, not that we're going to promote the show. Yeah. Just I don't talking f- about we're it. We're just talking about it. Don't you don't have to watch it. You don't have to. Don't watch it. Or yeah. Or do, or do watch it. It's up to you. Uh, don't come after us. This is oh. yeah, this is uncharted territory. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, uh <laughs> just answer this question. Who did he call at the end of that movie? At the end of the episode. I don't think that we have seen the person. I think it's Steven Yun. Personally, I think that this is the introduction of Century that is going to get his powers from um, uh, Danvers, from Miss Marvel. Really? I, that is my is that irresponsible ac- speculation. Is that your actually? Is that-, that is my irresponsible speculation. That, you really believe that, or you just know something weird out there? Um, I don't have a guess other than that. Really? So I think that, that, that if they were going to introduce the character... That'd be a God, great way to that do would it. be a great way to do it because he has similar powers to Carol Danvers. Yeah. Um. So maybe this is the way. Like, it's just a person. They totally like Steve him and get him, make him a super soldier. But instead of using super soldier serum, it's Carol Danvers' blood. All right. So I've I've got. So I think I think it's actually Gaia. Oh yeah. I think that's who he calls, and I think that she's going to do a a twist where she's going to show up as mm. Fury. Yeah. And infiltrate. You've been calling that Fury like yeah, switch off. There's for there's a, while. a double fu- I'm telling you, there's been a double Fury at this point. Um so I but I think she's actually gonna show up as Fury with the vial. Mm. And you know, we're gonna get a that's where we're gonna get our big plot twist for the yeah. show. Um or because they are leading this up to the Marvels. Yeah. She's calling Danvers. Mm. Which is probably a little bit more boring. Yeah, because you've spent this entire season not relying on superheroes, right? Who aren't scrolls, basically. So, to, and he to, also made a big speech before. About, like, uh, this is personal. I'm not calling down superheroes. Yeah, which I guess also kind of defeats what I said too. So, or what would be kind of fun if if Danvers did show up and then you find out that it was actually a scroll? Yeah, that true. He, he used her as a decoy. That'd be that'd be pretty cool too. Uh, Something's happening. It's a season finale. It's season finale. Over under. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to do that. <laughs> you think it's going to be longer than 35 minutes? Uh, I think it's going to be 36 minutes. <laughs> I 
think it's going to be 38. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for listening to 1-900 Nerdy Talk with Dr. J and Joe. Listen, we've got merch. Yeah, we've we got YouTubes. We've got TikToks. Mm-hmm. We've got Instagrams. We've got Facebooks. Yeah, we do. If you're not following or purchasing things or commenting in those areas. You're dead to me. Mm. Wow, that was aggressive. Uh, <laughs> jump in there because we love yeah. to hear from you. We love to hear from you. Uh, shoot us videos in our DMs with your questions to add to the I vodka cup. I forgive really easy. So, like, if you're not there, like, I'll forgive you in an instant. Y'all can't see this, but he's wearing a Tennessee hat. He really forgives easy. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Born in Kentucky. See? <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, there's the solo. Good there night, everybody. Song is not near long enough. <laughs> You're long winded. <laughs>